welcome you in for a brand new episode of the GM Show presented by ST Bank. I am Josh Getzoff. Great to be joined this week by a very busy man. Uh, that would be Penguins General Manager Ron Hextall. Ron, uh, as always, really appreciate your time. It's always a pleasure. Looking forward to this conversation for a number of reasons, but one of them was not the news that came down earlier today, but it's something that we need now need to discuss, uh, that being Chris Letang. Uh, suffering a stroke now out indefinitely, as the release said. Second time he suffered a stroke in his career. I believe the other one was back in 2014. But um, could you just kind of take us through the whole timeline of events here over the last day or so? Because obviously you hear stroke, everyone gets a little bit nervous. But I think the silver lining here was uh, from all accounts so far, everything seems to be okay as it pertains to the uh, subsequent tests for Latang after suffering the stroke. Yeah, I got a call on Monday night um, from our doc, and that's kind of was the start of it uh, for myself. And as you mentioned, you hear the word stroke, and it's like whoa, and uh, kind of took me took me aback. And I I uh, gave Sully a call, told him, and then the first thing I did was called I called Tanger, and of course he didn't answer, and he called me back a couple minutes later, and he he sounded good, and I'm like okay. And uh, anyway, that's when we found out, and uh, he stayed overnight in the hospital, and and we get, now we're into Tuesday, and who shows up at the rink uh, prior to the game but Tanger, and he looks good, he he feels good, um, so all our doctors' uh, reports thus far, and I. It got some as as recent as about a half hour ago. Everything's looking real good, and uh, as 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 bad as the information we got on the front end of him suffering a stroke, um, things have certainly gone the other way, and uh, all the information's been good. So, um, Sully announced it to the team after the game last night. Uh, Tanger was was in the room, and uh, the guys saw him. So I think everybody felt a lot better about it. So. Um, you know, so far, so good. Yeah, what, what do you think that did for everybody's mental state, I guess, in the sense of him physically being there? I'm sure for, for Chris, it was a little bit cathartic, too, to, to come in and be at the rink and be around his teammates and coaches. But for everyone to hear news like that, but then see the person physically in front of them as opposed to out of sight, uh, I assume that has to have somewhat of a, a positive rebound effect after the initial shock of the news. Well, 100%, because imagine getting that type of news about one of your teammates and him not being there now, the first thing you're wondering is, how's he doing? Like, is he in the hospital? What's going on? And then to have Tanger standing right there, I think was comforting for, for everybody. I mean, our whole staff, not only the players, but trainers and, and, and coaches and whatnot. So, um, and the fact that he was moving around and, and was normal and was talking and was his, basically his, his normal self was, I think, reassuring for all of us. I know it was a little uh, tongue-in-cheek, but he, I heard, understood today in practice that uh, Mike Sullivan said that Chris kind of wanted to get on the ice. He wanted to skate. Uh, we know that's how he's wired, uh, but that also is encouraging, right, that he's feeling up to the point, not necessarily that he would physically get on the ice, but he could joke about it. He could say he's ready to still get out there and play. Yes, and and he truly like he truly did want to skate and that's like, no, no, we're going to, we're going to let's, we're going to a little bit more, a little more time elapse here and, and get some more information from the docs. But um, so it is, it is Chris. He's an absolute warrior. Uh, he's a tough human being. And I think in some senses we got to, he's a, he's a type of personality you have to hold back versus, versus push. 
I think too, Ron, when you look at Chris Letang, you mentioned all those characteristics of him. I know Mike Sullivan said this in the past about him too, that he's one of those guys that the, the quote unquote hard guy to replace in your lineup. And um, now the obvious reality is you hope for the best for him from a health perspective, from a family perspective, but from the Penguins perspective, he's not in the lineup out indefinitely as it was listed in the release. I know Jeff Petrie bumped up in the depth chart last night in his absence. How do you kind of foresee that playing out here in the immediate future? Well, you know, it's it's really hard to kind of predict right now. Obviously, Tanger is a, a, a very difficult guy to replace, and, and you can't replace him. So you have to replace a, a, a guy of that magnitude with, with the group. And uh, guys are all going to have to play better. Obviously, so there's some guys that are going to get more minutes um, on the defensive side of things that are going to have to perform. Um, but certainly one guy's not going to replace Chris Letang, so it's going to be everybody. Now, in saying that, as you mentioned, like, this is about Chris Letang, the human being, not Chris Letang, the hockey player. And it's one thing that we communicate to Chris, like, Chris, this isn't about your hockey career and this isn't about the Pittsburgh Penguins. This is about Chris Letang and your long-term health. So that's first and foremost for all of us and what we're going to think of um, before any decisions are made moving forward here. Well, we certainly wish our best to Chris Letang and his family. As everyone out there knows, a husband, a father, on top of being a hockey player. So certainly wish him the best in the road to recovery. And uh, the Penguins will now try to step forward without one of their best players here for the foreseeable future. They'll face the Vegas Golden Knights on Tuesday night or Thursday night, rather. We'll talk about that matchup and the play Penguins play overall of late. We return here on the GM Show. It's presented by S&T Bank. We welcome you back to the GM Show. It's presented by S&T Bank, joined by Penguins General Manager Ron Hextall. I am Josh Getzoff. And, Ron, uh, last night, uh, aside from the news about Chris Letang today, a hockey game for your team last night against the defending Metro champion Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, late goal from Jake Gensel ties it, but a 3-2 loss in overtime and a, a bit of an um, unusual finish, let's put it that way. Uh, how did you guys view that overall effort in that game and, and coming away from with a point after the late goal? <laughs> it's a <clears throat> kind of an emotional roller coaster a little bit. I actually missed the second period from one of my guy. I was actually talking to Tanger down in the training room, but from what I heard, I I didn't miss much. I don't think we played very well in the second. I thought the first we were you know we were okay, and 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 the third we were okay. And I think when when you come back and tie a game late, we hadn't got a goal um, in the last minute with the goalie pulled, so it was nice to have that. And then. You know, the way we lost at the, the non-call, 2-0. So it's kind of like a up and down night for us. Uh, I think for the most part, if you look at our last dozen games or so, we've played pretty well. Um, but we, we've got we've to gotta try to gain a little bit more consistency uh, in our overall game, uh, period to period and, and game to game. Um, I think when you look at our season, you break it down. We had the 4-0-1 stretch as a start. We were very good, and then we went on the – the run there, 6 and one, where you know, sure we could have won three or four of those last games, but we didn't. And then we go on. I think it was a seven-one and one stretch, and now you know, win-loss, OT loss. So we've got to try to just grab a little bit more consistency uh, throughout our whole group. Uh, like I said, on a period-to-period -period basis. Well, you mentioned that about your team's play, and I was kind of looking back at our last show. We were in Buffalo. You and I spoke, and that was after the Penguins had lost to Boston, which was their fifth straight loss in what ended up being seven straight that you just mentioned that 06 and one stretch 
you guys are seven two and two in your last eleven, and I know a couple losses in a row here, but the bigger picture points to a lot more points and a lot more positive results uh, from your seat. Are you seeing anything different overall in the game? I mean, I know when you win, things tend to go your way a little bit more, but there's more to it than that uh, from the team's overall play. I would assume there, there's more to it than that. I think I think that consistency part that I just alluded to. I don't think we're where we want to be. I do think overall it's gotten better. Um, even, you know, last night's game, we're, we're in the game. Um, you know, the Philly game, we were pretty good. Didn't particularly like the, the Toronto game. But but for the most part, I think our consistency has been better. It's something that we have been striving for since that 06 and 1 um, stretch. And I think we've gotten better. Uh, I think our power play, obviously, we've, we've talked about it. So we're blue in the face here. And that's the one area where... Uh, that would win us some games here if we could improve it. So that's a, a bit of a hot spot for us. We need to get that fixed. Our penalty kill, I think since Teddy's been back, it's been excellent. Um, and it's another area to start there that we felt like we needed to improve on. So we're getting there, but it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint here. And I think we're showing signs of of you know going in the right direction for sure. Well, you mentioned the, the marathon, not the sprint, and that kind of leads me into what I wanted to ask you next, that the NHL season's a grind. It's 82 games. It's across five-plus months. I mean, I don't think anyone's you know, going to jump to conclusions over a two-week stretch when you're spanning all that time of action. But from your perspective, you know, you've been around a lot of different teams and a lot of different situations. How do you kind of group a season from the GM's role? Do you do you look at it? I know some people look at it month by month. Some people look at it week by week. I know Mike Sullivan, as he always says, takes it game by game. Uh, yes. But from, from your perspective, how, how do you kind of group the segments of the season in making assessments and just overall just kind of looking at the long play of the year? Yeah, I, I don't know if I necessarily group it. And I, I agree, Sully, it's game to game. When you're coaching, it's a lot different than being downstairs, a lot different than being upstairs here. So we've got to have the long view up here. Um, you know, I know we're going through an 06 and one stretch and people want something to change. They want you to make a move. They want you to make a trade. And my philosophy has always been, I'm not going to overreact because of a little bit of a down, a down point in our season. I like our team. I look at our team on paper and you look for holes and and we got a good team and we got some depth and we got some depth in the minors. So we feel pretty good about our team now. Sometimes our team's not playing the way we'd like them to play and it, it's easy to make a trade for the sake of making a trade or make a move, sending someone down. But sometimes those those reactive moves from, from my chair are not necessarily the most prudent one for your team and the ones that make sense long term. The reason I asked that about just the, the gaps of games and how you would potentially group them is because I, I was looking at the schedule and really here in December, it does present a pretty good opportunity for the Penguins. We know how busy it's been to start with all the back-to-backs and I think 14 of the first, 21 on the road. But now you get nine of your next 13 games at PPG. Uh, I believe you'll play your next 14 games in the Eastern time zone overall going up to the Winter Classic in Boston uh, beginning of 2023. Um, just when you look at that and you think about how the season started from the demanding off-ice perspective to where it will be now where everyone will be home, uh, you know, there won't be a ton of travel. I believe it's just Buffalo, Carolina, Florida, and the Islanders here uh, in December as far as trips are concerned. Do you look at this a little differently as far as it being a critical stretch for the team? Well, the way it is now, I mean, 
quite frankly, every stretch is critical. The way, you know, teams are so tight and making the playoffs is so hard and you need every point you can get. So it's almost like, you know, we look at it like you gotta you gotta get points every game. You wanna try to get points every game. But I think when you look back on a month, it's like, okay, how do we do this month? Um, but also like our schedule. I know the the Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, Seattle, that was the toughest part of our schedule the entire year. So we're through that. We didn't make as much hay as we wanted, make no mistake about it. But we are through that part. And as you mentioned, when you get through parts like that, you have other parts that are less demanding physically on our players. We're not getting into hotels at two o'clock in the morning and whatnot. That that wear, it wears guys out. It's tough. Um, so we do have a, a, an area in our schedule now where I don't want to call it soft because it's never soft, but it is a little bit more um, leaning towards having having rest and not having a tired team. So, you know, we've got a We've got to have a good stretch. We've got to have a good month here for sure in December. Third game of this five-game homestand tomorrow night with the Vegas Golden Knights in town. We'll talk a little bit about that later in the show. But when we come back, uh, look back on Evgeny Malkin's 1,000th game and some key contributors for the Penguins of late. We will talk about that with Ron Hextall next on the GM Show. It's presented by S&T Bank right here on the Penguins Radio Network. We're back here on the GM Show. It's presented by S&T Bank alongside Penn's general manager, Ron Hextall. I am Josh Getzoff. And, uh, Ron, we talked about all the home games on tap here for the Penguins, but I wanted to go back to one of the last road games you guys played a couple Sundays ago uh, in Chicago. It was the 1,000th game for Evgeny Malkin. Now, last week on the Coach's Show, I heard a lot from Mike Sullivan about how it all came to be with his son Nikita coming into the dressing room and reading the starting lineup and everything. But I'm just curious for your perspective on that because you've been around the game a long time. I think uh, obviously have the appreciation of star players in this league hitting milestones and doing it all with one team. Uh, it seemed to be a pretty unique moment there in Chicago, of course, capped off with a victory as well. It, it was incredible. I think moment, moments like that, like bring your team together and like some of the younger guys in the, in the group understand like, he played a thousand games. He played with one franchise. Like playing a thousand games is an incredible accomplishment, but playing with one franchise is it's almost unheard of now nowadays. So I think the fact that you know Sid did it and 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 Gino did it and, and hopefully Tanger does at some point here. It's it, it is special. And I, I hope I hope Gino and, and Sid and, and the players that do it in one in one jersey realize how special it is for them and a city and a franchise like it's it's an incredible feat and Gino's been such a great player for so long and uh, it's it's just a whole thing it was just a really feel good um, day and 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 week for our whole group and again it's just an incredible accomplishment. He scores the goal in that game a five three win for the Penguins over the Blackhawks also scoring that night was Ricard Raquel uh, off a nice feed from Sidney Crosby. And I know he's skated with Malkin. He's now with Sid and Jake. And I think it's fair to say that as things go throughout the years, you and I mentioned a long runway still on this regular season, a little under 60 games to go. There's a possibility he could be back with Gino again before the season's over. But I think the point stands, Ron, that this guy that you picked up from Anaheim last year has seemingly fit into that top six like a glove. And, and it doesn't seem to matter who he's with. He's really producing and making everyone uh, better in watching him on a nightly basis. Yeah, he, I mean, he's been a really important guy for us, obviously. But I think I think even more so the fact that he can play with Gino, he can play with Sid, he can play left wing, he can play right wing. Like, that's huge. I mean, at some point, if 
if somebody gets dinged up here and we need to fill a hole and it, it just gives you that flexibility for the coaching staff to manipulate the lines around where they make sense. So he is a valuable guy. And, and the fact, like I said, that he can play both wings and uh, apparently Mike, Mike tells us that he can also play the middle a little bit. He did in junior. So he's definitely a valuable guy for us in terms of being a nice fit with our top six, but also, you know, playing, playing either side of the wing. Yeah, played for uh, assistant coach Mike Bellucci with those Plymouth Whalers. So obviously has that experience down there as well. Um, you mentioned the top six. He's obviously impacted that. I wanted to jump down to the bottom six because it wasn't a trade at the deadline. It was an offseason signing and a guy that came back to Pittsburgh after starting his career here uh, in Josh Archibald. And I think I speak for a lot of people. I know Phil Bork and I texted each other the day that he was signed. It was like, yes, we know exactly what this guy is and we know exactly what he'll bring and they need that deeper in their lineup and I think we're starting to see it now on a consistent basis just what Archie is after the years of seasoning in Edmonton and Arizona coming back to Pittsburgh a little bit more of a complete player but also really understanding his role with this team as well yeah he's a he's a really hard guy not to like I didn't I didn't know a ton about him I didn't know the person or anything but you just watch the way he plays the way he's played for us the the want and the will he plays with every night, the physical play. I mean, you look at him, he 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 looks like a, a schoolboy and he's not real <laughs> big. And then he goes out there and he's just blowing guys up and you're like, whoa, that's that's a lot of will there. So he's done a great job for us. He's been a great fit. I mean, talking to Sully before free agency there, he's a terrific guy fit in here. So he's been a real nice addition for for our club. How do you think he's changed the identity of the bottom six? Because there's obviously skill down there, but he adds that you mentioned some of those other intangibles as well. Well, I think the like the physical play and like, you know, with Pales and, and Teddy and Archie, they just they just fit together. And there's a reason they fit together. You know, Teddy's a really intelligent player who can make plays and Pales is an intelligent player too, but he's got size. He can protect the puck. He can do some of the dirty work and Archie gets in the forecheck and and forces turnovers to allow that line to 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 continue play in the in the offensive zone. I think that's one of the best things they've done is is play in the offensive zone. A lot of times they're out against the other team's you know top six and they're playing in the offensive zone. And people don't understand the value of that to to us over the the long haul of a game or or certainly a season. So and you you never know how those parts are going to fit. It just seems like. Uh, since Teddy come back, Pales moved to the wing. He was in the middle before that, and it's just it's fit together really well. And they've gave us some really really strong hockey. Yeah, you found something certainly there on that that line with Ryan Paling, Teddy Bluger, and Josh Archibald. Paling is a guy that was acquired in that trade with where the, I think the headliners were Jeff Petrie and Mike Matheson. But Ryan Paling comes on board to Pittsburgh uh, also in the deal. I think a lot of people forget Ron. And I mentioned this on the air a couple of times. He's only twenty three. And he was a first-round pick. And, and sometimes with players, maybe even in a market like Montreal, patience is not a virtue. Uh, but not to say that in Pittsburgh everyone's patient, but at the same time, maybe these couple extra years of seasoning and now finding a different fit here could benefit a player like that. Yeah, our, our staff really liked Ryan. I mean, nobody, as you said, really talked about him when, when we made that trade, but our staff really liked him. And he, he has a versatility to play center and the wing. He can take face-offs. He can kill penalties. But to your point, I think he's grown as a player. I don't know how many people know, but he went into Montreal. I believe it was his first game out of college. He scored a hat-trick the first night. And I believe he scored the, the winner in the shootout. 
And all of a sudden in Montreal, all of a sudden, you know, you're next to God there. So I, I think the expectations were maybe a little bit too high right off the bat. And I think, you know, sometimes a player goes to his drafted team, he's a first round pick. And again, the expectations are super high. And, you know, we really like Ryan as a player. He's done a really good job for us. And I think a change is probably sometimes the best thing for certain players. And I think with Ryan, that's the case. So let me ask you, kind of keeping on that idea, and this will be our last thought here before we take a break, is uh, Kasperi Kapanen, a guy that was a healthy scratch for a handful of games, came back into the lineup last night in favor of Dan Heinen, who came out. Um, with a guy like that that you signed to a two-year deal this offseason, who started strong, and had, the, what, six points in his first seven games, I think, uh, and has really dried up since – how do you manage that? Because it kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier about the patience with these younger players. I know Cappy's not 23, but he's not 30. Um, and he still obviously has that potential. But where does it where do you guys kind of find the balance between the potential and the, the player and how they fit? Well, I, I mean, obviously, at some point when you're talking about potential, a player's got to he's got to do it. You know, he's got to use his potential and, and, and make it real. So I think with Cappy, like if you look back two years ago, I think he scored 30 points in 40 games. If you remember that month or so where him and Gino had that real magic where they're almost oh, yeah. unstoppable and they, there, there's a lot of ability in there. He showed it the first five or six games. And then, you know, I mean, our whole team kind of went down and Cappy went down as well. And he happened to be the guy that sat out. But we still believe in Cappy. We believe there's there's a level there that, that he's going to get to. Um, and I'm comfortable saying that I'm confident at some point here that Cappy's going to get there. Saying that, Cappy's got to do it as well. We'll keep an eye on his status as well as the Penguins as they get ready for the Vegas Golden Knights in town on Thursday night. We'll talk about that matchup and also an extension to the coaching staff. That's next as we wind things down here on the GM Show. It's presented by s Bank on the Penguins Radio Network. We're back here and winding things down on the GM Show presented by s Bank on the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. And uh, Ron, a pretty significant announcement last week uh, on your coaching staff. Ty Head is elevated to the role of assistant coach, given a three-year deal. Uh, this is a guy that I think a lot of people who are around the organization consistently know uh, and know the impact that he makes. But to see him get that bump uh, in title, you know, what kind of led you to that decision and what have been your impressions? Well, he's he he's constantly grown since certainly since I've been here. Uh, he's done a really good job for us in the in the skills um, side of things. I think when when injured players are skating, I don't know if I've ever seen an injured player um, be as ready for the game as as they are when 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 Ty works with them. So I think he's done a really good job on that side, and I think he's grown a lot. So, um, Coaching staff has has included him a lot more, and his role has really grown. And we just felt like the time was right to elevate him to an assistant coach, uh, based on his past work, and he's earned it. Between him and Todd Reardon, uh, Mike Vellucci, obviously Mike Sullivan, Andy Kyoto, the Penguins. When you look around the league, at least on the game notes that we get, they have one of the bigger coaching staffs, but they also have one of the deeper coaching staffs. When you think about these guys and their their career accomplishments, how important is that when when you kind of balance yeah, there's bigger numbers, but there's also bigger um, experience, bigger perspective, and, and all of that that comes with that staff as well. Yeah, there is. And, and there's a different perspective, too, which you like. You know, you when whenever you're trying to build a coaching staff, and it's not as easy as people think, but you're, you're it's like a team. You're looking for fits. So, you know, Todd obviously, you know, played defense and, and – 
that's the big part of it. Chico, Andy obviously played goal. You know, Mike was a forward. Sully was a forward. Like it's you, you're looking for the right group, but but the right mentalities, the the different personalities, the guys that bring different things to the group. A, 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 a real technical guy, and you know, you got Ty Hennis, who's an absolute ball of energy every day. And I know when in the NHL when you lose two or three or four games in a row, the the ener- energy level's not there, and then you go out in the ice and ties out there, and it's like almost instantaneously everybody picks up their energy. And, you know, Sully's the head coach. He's kind of the disciplinarian, and Todd is the, you know, Todd's a really intelligent guy, and he, he, he brings a lot to the defense. I think we've talked about, you know, Tanger's play when when he's been with Todd and, and different defense. When you look at you look at Petey this year, uh, his game is, is ramped up a, a couple notches under Todd. So, and then, you know, Mike, brings Mike manages the forwards and and you know they all have a they have a PK and a, and a PP so you're just looking for the different elements in terms of the skill sets but also the personalities and they got to get along there's got to be respect the players got to respect them so we really like our coaching staff feel really comfortable with our coaching staff and which is why we've we pretty much extended them all and expect them to be here long term. Yeah, all locked and loaded up behind that Penguins bench. Uh, and they'll be there tomorrow night when the Penguins host the Vegas Golden Knights. And, Ron, I wanted to ask you as we end out the show, you, you get the defending Metro champs in town last night with the Carolina Hurricanes. You get the team with the West top record currently in town tomorrow night with the Vegas Golden Knights. When you're in these situations, what do you hope to learn about the, the competitive fire for the Penguins against two teams that I think it's fair to say across the board are viewed as two of the top teams in the NHL? Yeah, whenever you're playing the top teams, you're obviously looking at it as a measuring stick. You know, uh, how well did we play? How did we match up? And I thought we matched up fairly well against Carolina. And it'll be interesting to see tomorrow night. We're certainly going to have to bring our best to the table and and to give us the best chance to win. Uh, Wins are important right now. We need to rip off some points here and and climb in the standings. So uh, certainly we got to work it out for us tomorrow night. Well, Ron, I know it's been a busy day for you. Appreciate you taking the time. We'll look forward to catching up again down the line, and good luck against Vegas. All right, Josh, thanks. My pleasure. All right, that is Penguins General Manager Ron Hextel. A reminder, the Penguins and the Golden Knights will go at it at 7 o'clock tomorrow night at PPG Paints Arena, 6 o'clock on the pregame show. You can catch all that right here on the Penguins Radio Network. For Penguins General Manager Ron Hextall and our executive producer Wayne Gretzky-Anderson, I'm Josh Getzoff. This has been the GM Show presented by S&T Bank right here on the Penguins Radio Network.